Well, thank you very much. Very enjoyable. Thanks. Uh, a few words about myself. Uh, for the podcast, I think it was of you were here. I, I was actually born in London. That's where the, the accent comes from. This is me as a young minute uh, uh, practicing my talents, uh, hand, handouts in Trafalgar Square when I was six. Uh, I'm from my parents are Polish. I'm from Poland. This is where it all began. Um, a bit of history that we should all know. If it wasn't for the Battle of uh, Vienna, where the, uh, the Lithuanian and Polish uh, Commonwealth armies fought with the Ottoman Turks, we'd all be now talking about Islam. We'd all be in Islam. Uh, battle of Warsaw, 100 years ago. Again, another battle which is uh, little known in the West is uh, when uh, post-First World War, when uh, Central and Western Europe were very weak, uh, uh, the Bolsheviks were planning to, to join up with communists in Paris and the whole of Europe would have been communist. communist. If it wasn't for the Polish, it's called the Polish miracle, the miracle of uh, Warsaw. In 1920, the Polish army uh, stopped the Bolsheviks uh, coming through to, uh, uh, to, to Central and Western Europe. Um, Battle of Britain, another, uh, if it wasn't for the Poles, uh, the Polish fighter pilots who were flying on the, on the, uh, on the British uh, Air Force, uh, the Britain would probably have lost the Battle of Britain. And again, the future of uh, Europe would be totally different to what we understand it to be today. Also worth noting that uh, the, the Brits quite often say that they had, they broke the Enigma code in, in the Dutchy Park. Uh, not true. It was Pol Poles which uh, broke the code. In fact, Poles broke the Enigma code twice. Uh, in 1932 was the first time. Now, why, am I, why, why is a Pole living in London or born in London? Um, uh, basically, uh, 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 at the start of the war, uh, any, any, any of the Poles who fought against the Bolsheviks in the 1920 war were taken to Siberia and uh, left there for a, for a slow death. But fortunately, uh, after the uh, uh, Barbossa campaign, Stalin gave uh, Poles an armistice. Uh, they didn't trust Stalin. Uh, they moved out from, uh, from uh, Siberia, moved to uh, the Middle East, to Iran, Iraq, uh, where the women and, and, and uh, women stayed. The men joined the, the Allied uh, forces fought on the Western Front uh, 
in, uh, in Italy, in Belgium, etc. But couldn't go back to Poland after all because Stalin treated uh, anybody who fought on the Western flank that came from Siberia as a traitor. So if they went back to Poland after all, they would have been executed. Hence, my parents couldn't go back and they, they went to the UK. So I, so I uh, was born in the UK, studied in the UK, worked in the city of London. Um, at the same time, in the 1980s, this was the century plan, these are the this is a consequence of a century planned economy in Poland. Um, hands up if anybody can guess what type of shop this is, because a very good picture of this. It's actually a butcher's shop, so uh, not much planning required there. Um, solidarity. Poles po po know very much uh, what solidarity means. It's, it's, it's in our blood. We know in hard times, if we work together, we can uh, achieve tremendous uh, effects. And one of them was, of course, uh, 1980 was the beginning of solidarity. Uh, through the 80s, we infected other countries of Central Europe, uh, culminating in the economic collapse of, of the German rule in uh, late 1989. Now, a couple of uh, other facts going back in history. Uh, Libram Veto was uh, in the, in the uh, 17th century in Poland, so where one, uh, one member of parliament could actually uh, stop uh, any illegal act going through, which made Poland a very weak country because um, taxes in those days were uh, applied on the poor. Uh, one of the, uh, one of the uh, consequences of Libram Veto was that the rich didn't want to tax themselves, which meant that uh, not much money was available for the military, and of course that caused our uh, neighbours, uh, Prussia, Russia, and um, Russia, Hungary, and Empire to partition Poland. So Poland was partitioned in 1773, and it's uh, off the political map from uh, then until uh, 1918. So Poland missed out on the, uh, uh, in the early 1800s in the Industrial Revolution. They also missed out in the late 1800s in the Electricity Revolution. And uh, in the 1950s, uh, Poland also missed out on the computer revolution. At that stage, we, we weren't partitioned anymore. We were, uh, we were under the communist rule again after the uh, Second World War. And in fact, 10 years before IBM had its desktop computer, Poland had uh, a smaller desktop computer uh, available. But unfortunately, our, our Soviet masters did not allow us to use our intellect to develop uh, this. We were more of the heavy manufacturing side. Poland intends uh, to be a, a forerunner in a global uh, revolution of, of uh, the digital revolution. And we've, we've already used a lot of uh, this, uh, the, the data, digital data, to uh, combat uh, tax fraud, but which I'll talk about uh, in a moment. As I said, so uh, in 1989, the, uh, the Berlin Wall fell down, and uh, Poland was one of the first countries to move from a century planned economy to, to a uh, to a free market economy. Um, Polish Lithuania, so just a different po point of back to the Polish Lithuania in, six in six <laughs> Hello? Uh, 1659 was uh, the, 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 the Commonwealth of Two Republics. Basically, it's a precursor of the Economic Union uh, of the EU, which uh, Poland joined in uh, two, sorry, 2000. Poland joined in 2004, so originally we were already in, a, in, a, in a, the precursor of the EU in, in 1569, so, so uh, uh, we, we know the strength of solidarity and working together. Um, so, 
And for information on each claim, or ask Scope of the Arts to call their perfect tremendous record at its store to be preserved. Scope of the Arts is still a huge team based in Missouri. Perhaps I think Estrada has a, a similar record of 40 years of uh, uh, um, uh, economic work, right, even long before the recession. Um, this is this is now Warford, much you know, further, very far cry from what uh, we we saw uh, with Warford 30 years ago. So, time for uh, a good bit of background. So, Poland has uh, claims to uh, claims to fame. There are a number of things. Uh, paper clippers were was a Polish invention. Uh, windscreen wipers were part of the Polish invention. Uh, hurricane lamps were Polish invention. Fortunately, we don't claim have the fact of hurricane taxis. Taxis were uh, implemented uh, 4,000 odd years ago in Mesopotamia. But so, in those days, taxis were 70% uh, of the seed or, 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 or cattle as opposed to the tax. It was the United Kingdom which actually uh, implemented uh, taxatism laws in the 1880s and brought the uh, income tax and brought into finance laws. Okay, so there we have taxes. There's obviously, you know, uh, unfortunately, tax avoidance, uh, tax crime, etc. And uh, economists uh, uh, um, estimate that uh, globally we lose about five to six hundred billion dollars each each year because of aggressive tax planning, tax havens, and, and going tax fraud. Um, the Polish Institute, the Economic Institute estimates that in Europe alone we lose every year 170 billion euros uh, to, uh, uh, to uh, aggressive tax planning, tax havens, etc. And of that, about 64 billion euros is, uh, is lost in, in uh, VAT. So in Poland itself, uh, uh, in 2015, our uh, VAT gap was about 27%. Now, over four years, uh, we've managed to reduce that uh, uh, gap uh, down to uh, uh, down to about nine nine and a half percent. And in fact, the report in today's Polish paper by Ernst and Young says that's probably the limit of the uh, that we can, what we can achieve going down to nine percent. Because we're talking about business to business uh, uh, VAT fraud. Where we have tax sales errors, etc. Of the nine percent which is left, is basically uh, business to consumer, consumer to business uh, grey area, uh, which we have to work on. Now, how do we do that? Uh, we implemented uh, uh, various uh, things. It, was, it, was, uh, it wasn't just one thing that we did. Uh, we we changed the law. We we re-engineered uh, the the tax authorities to give them uh, uh, more information. We brought in uh, split payments, which, uh, which uh, uh, VAT payments were split for the, the tax you paid to an account, which is no longer available for uh, payments to, to, the, uh, the, to the seller uh, of, of the products or services. Uh, we brought in, uh, uh, in our national clearing house uh, uh, a program we call SPIR, which is basically analyzing payments to see if there is uh, uh, some uh, uh, interesting logic in uh, companies which have just started up and making uh, uh, issuing good invoices and, and receiving good payments. 
what are the consequences of course of uh, of uh, um, addressing the, the VAT gap? In fact, because more and more VAT is actually paid, uh, the companies which are paying the VAT also have to register their, their income, which means they make uh, bigger profits, uh, legal profits, which of course has a knock-on effect on their on their corporate tax and their on their personal income tax. So the last two years, uh, with the consequences of uh, clamping down uh, on the VAT fraud, we've actually also increased uh, our corporate ta tax by by uh, uh, over 50%. Now, we are very often uh, 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 solidarity of a campaign that uh, if we all have a common goal, we also should have solidarity in achieving it. It uh, can't uh, really say that's uh, true about uh, countries in the EU at the moment. Because payment is, isn't uh, an island. Uh, payment is part of the EU. So if we've won uh, the battle, I'm not saying we've actually won the war, uh, on the VAT fraud from payment. All that means is that the, the people, the, the mafia which are uh, uh, creating the fraud, have actually moved to other countries in Europe. And we need to work together to actually eliminate them. One country on their own can't just eliminate uh, VAT fraud. So uh, I think it's, uh, it's, it's uh, we should be all working together. We should actually implement uh, some of the best practice. Uh, uh, some of the practices that we've implemented in payment, as I said, uh, split payment, secure payment, uh, online uh, uh, fiscal registers, etc. If they work in uh, Warsaw, they can also work in Rome and Madrid or, or in Paris. Similarly, uh, other countries are also implementing um, uh, various uh, projects to limit uh, the loss on, on the VAT fraud. Spain and Italy have implemented e-invoicing. Uh, Croatia has uh, imp implemented uh, cash online cash registers. Now these uh, these are all examples of countries doing something on their own, where we should actually be working uh, together. So payments uh, offerings on the table, uh, 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 solidarity uh, in in uh, fight against uh, tax. I think if we work together and share our best practices, we'll be able to do to implement a lot lot more. Now, this isn't uh, in, in instead of what the EU is doing. EU's been working on uh, tax evasion and uh, as of uh, probably more than 10 years now. What we're looking at is to provide uh, something which is complementary to what the EU is doing. So, uh, unfortunately, in the EU, we have unanimity, which uh, excludes some of the things uh, which uh, uh, we'd like to implement. So, here we're offering uh, to work together and provide a bilateral, multilateral agreement so we can attack some of these uh, uh, purposes in, uh, in, in tax fraud. For a start, um, the EU uh, looks at various countries around the world and assesses them whether they're tax havens. We also think the EU should be uh, assessing uh, uh, countries within the EU, are they not uh, uh, tax havens uh, under different names? Um, companies which are either based or are legal from the um, uh, tax havens in Europe should also be assessed and uh, uh, we should uh, literally uh, 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 ban those companies from uh, participating in, uh, in public tender. Uh, open data as well, which of course uh, com uh, companies which are working with on the world, multinational companies, should actually show us their uh, tax strategies 
uh, and also for the technical authority to, to share data between themselves so that we can uh, put our hands down on, on companies which are moving to the tax havens. Tax authorities uh, should uh, also be, uh, be rating uh, should be rating companies which are, uh, are working uh, or moving to the tax havens so that we can see uh, uh, companies which should be eliminated from uh, public uh, meetings and uh, uh, as they move around uh, from country to country. Um, the EU should be empowered to actually impose sanctions on uh, EU countries uh, who are, which are actually uh, performing uh, uh, the business of uh, tax havens. Um, companies should be uh, uh, um, uh, forced to recalculate their tax rates, a bit like the uh, American uh, uh, base erosion uh, anti-abuse uh, tax force, that they, they should recalculate their tax, uh, uh, looking at uh, uh, extracting or putting back by the payments which they've made for, uh, for, 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 uh, for uh, dividend payments to see if they're not moving too much money to, to tax havens. Uh, business deductions are another uh, tax uh, uh, we should be uh, speeding up. The OECD should speed up. Uh, it's taken a long time. It's it's causing a problem that uh, some countries should be uh, um, impatient in implementing their own um, digital tax. This is only going to cause uh, a problem in the future that uh, uh, we're going to have uh, digital tax shopping. So global companies will see where their uh, lowest tax are and, and, and start competing uh, between them. Uh, not enough is being done on cash. Cash is a tremendous cost to our economies. Uh, in Poland, over 1.3% well, of our GDP every year is lost to, uh, to, to cash. That's how much it costs to cash. That's a, a World Bank uh, uh, assessment on the, on, the, on the Polish National Bank. I think we should be doing a lot more. Uh, we're talking about the environment, etc. But who's actually looking behind the trees with tax uh, uh, cutdowns to create bank banknotes? And also the inefficiency uh, of that, and that's also fueling uh, the grey economy. So uh, Poland is offering uh, cooperation. It's uh, also offering a plus uh, growth investment trip. But at the end of the day, uh, there's an awful lot of money uh, to, to that needs. There's 170 billion euros in Poland in, in Europe every year, which we can uh, access. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Minister. That was a lot of uh, slides and a few wonderful pictures, I have to say. I mean, I love, for example, the tax um, haven uh, paradise, the Euro uh, Island. That was uh, was was beautiful picture. Thank you for for this uh, very interesting presentation. Let's uh, just take one or two uh, quick questions, um, and then we move to the panel. Who would like to ask a question for Geisler? Thank you, uh, Mr. Minister. I'm Klaus Geiser, one of the guys in the House of European History. You encouraged me to ask one question about history. Uh, the Hitler-Stalin Pact was signed uh, some weeks before the attack uh, against Poland uh, in September uh, 39. In how much do you think uh, did it encourage this attack? Thank you. Uh, so uh, hundred for next question. I mean, it's not really a question related to the tax question. Uh, so well, it's an interesting take, question. Take a second. Uh, 
Todd Buell. I'm a tax journalist with Wall 360, and I was very interested in your comment about how, if I understood you correctly, that the EU should consider putting on its blacklist other EU countries. I'm wondering if, I, if you could be a little more specific and say which EU countries you think should be on this blacklist. Thank you. Implicate most on the box puzzle and representation. I noticed that some of the solution offered to counter tax havens might be at stress with fiscal sovereignty. Would Poland be willing to give up its fiscal sovereignty in order to fight tax havens, such as a minimum tax for corporate income taxes? Okay, so answering Ferguson is the answer to you. <laughs> um, So now uh, the, the answer to the third was, uh, uh, I don't think uh, it's, it's, I think the core of uh, the EU is that countries have fiscal sovereignty. So I'm not sure that Poland would want to uh, uh, reduce that. And we're not asking for that. Uh, I think this is really the uh, uh, rather want bilateral, multilateral uh, uh, agreements so that we don't actually have to lose our, our fiscal sovereignty because fiscal sovereignty is very, very important to the way to manage your uh, domestic uh, uh, economies. Um, and uh, which countries? I think uh, it's, it's, uh, you don't have to name names. Uh, I think everybody can calculate which countries are getting the most in, uh, in interest and in, in dividends and, uh, uh, and have the lowest uh, corporate tax. I think it's just a no-brainer really to, to, to look at those two uh, issues as quickly as to who is uh, uh, a potential tax haven. Okay, thank you very much. I think these, these answers were clear enough. Um, thank, you, thank you so much. And uh, we can now, I think, move to, uh, to our panel discussion. And let me invite uh, Maria Teresa and uh, Piotr to the stage. And let's give a big thanks to the Minister. I think we have a third um, uh, panelist um, online, uh, Agnès Benassico um, from the University of Paris, who's also uh, a senior fellow here at Bruegel and is actually today joining us from her holidays. Thank you, Agnès, for, for being with us today. Um, and um, hey, hi. Um, and, and perhaps I thought we start this conversation perhaps with, uh, with Piotr, um, because Piotr, you're, you're from Poland and you've studied the um, the issue of um, tax fraud and tax evasion in quite some detail um, and have studied also the Polish experience. And as the minister has also explained, an, an important element in, um, in combating tax fraud is digitalization. And um, of course, it's noticeable that Poland has advanced quite a bit in terms of e-government, e-invoicing, and so on and so forth. And I was wondering whether you could Give us a new take on, you know, how, what is the recipe on how much did Poland really uh, reduce tax fraud um, and how did it do so and how important was the digitalization on that? Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for the question. Um, you know, I'm not a tax guy. I was uh, actually I had to learn uh, a lot about taxation when I, I started my work because uh, we had many reforms happening uh, in the country. Uh, 
which were interesting from a uh, you know from um, uh, by uh, bystanders point uh, points of view because uh, you know the companies the businesses didn't like it because a lot of tax laws changed throughout the years. Uh, but it was because uh, uh, Poland was lagging behind, lagging behind uh, a lot of EU countries in terms of uh, implementation of of uh, new proposals, uh, implementation of anti-laundering uh, directives too. So this was a lot of things that didn't uh, uh, didn't check uh, up until 2015. And we saw a lot of um, uh, new uh, innovative ideas in Portugal, for example, or in uh, other non-EU countries where they had innovation in terms of how to implement tax policy. If you think about behavioral economics, what to do with the people, how to make them you know, comply with the law and not break the law, even unwillingly, for example. Because a lot of the, the stuff that happens with VAT is also an element of error. Those are the people who make the bad decisions in terms of how they put in the invoice and then you see something in the system that is broken down. But you know, that's the main issue. You don't have a system. Uh, uh, and this is uh, something that uh, I think uh, uh, was one of the, the uh, uh, biggest innovations is to have a more centralized uh, in a, a system of data gathering uh, by the state on um, on invoices, for example, and actually on about what is happening in the in the uh, in the Polish business each year, because if you see all the invoices, invoices, um, you can uh, dig in the data, you can analyze it as a true audit office, um, and see what's happening and what's happening with which is fraud, uh, something which is happening um, which shouldn't need be there, and this is I think the biggest innovations. At least Poland wasn't the first country. Portugal was one of the first to implement a, um, a central analytical service, uh, but um, uh, uh, Portugal implemented it buying it from a big American corporation. I won't bring up the name, uh, not to give advertisements, but we had to create it on our own, not to give, you know, to know what's behind the system, not to have this black box that adjusts itself with the additional information coming from the law that is being changed. So uh, this was something challenging to have IT people work, uh, to have hackathons on taxation, uh, and to have young people be interested actually in taxes uh, because this was a problem. And IT young people, you know, this is not something which, which you see very common, maybe more often in, I don't know, big toy companies. Um, and um, uh, this, is, this is something I find uh, uh, what was most innovative. What we saw then uh, when the da data came in back, so uh, as an analyst seeing what's happening with the Polish business, it was interesting that the take up on technology usage and using, uh, because the new systems were put in place, you had to give your data provided with in a digital form in a one single file that is being uh, comparable with other, with other businesses. Mm, and the companies uh, started to use more uh, not pen and paper uh, systems of, of um, uh, um, uh, doing their taxes, uh, but started to use more technology-wise. And this is something which we saw. Poland is, is not a you know, champion in terms of the digital sphere. Yeah, we're maybe we do some good uh, games, basically. One, one you might hear it. But uh, based on a book, actually, this is we also, you know, we have some novelists from Poland too which it's interesting to cover. 
but um, um, uh, so uh, what was what was really interesting is that uh, um, the 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 take up of innovative technologies by the companies was nurtured by the new tax solutions that they had to use. So in some companies use more technology technological solutions because of the uh, the the need of the state to be more uh, digital. Because typical companies and also those companies that, that did digital fraud, they wanted to use more uh, more or less cash. Uh, they also exchanged B2B uh, on cash. Um, uh, it's not something unseen, uh, I don't know, five or six years ago to have uh, uh, someone paying for their invoice in a bag of cash. Uh, so it's not unheard of. It's unheard of in Western Europe. Uh, but that, that was something that was uh, happening uh, business-wise, uh, typically. Now it's uh, something from the past, I think, uh, and what we see from the, um, uh, from the analysis uh, published today uh, by Ernst & Young in, in Poland, uh, I also read it on the, on the plane, um, is that there is almost no room to, uh, to adjust the system internally. So we, we, we reached the average level of the VAT gap in Poland, uh, average level uh, at the EU level, uh, so we're an, uh, a country that was an outlier. Now we're an average economy in terms of how many frauds are being conducted or errors, because uh, the, the, they calculate both in the system. And um, the next step is basically go international. Uh, this is something where you need more cooperation, uh, you need to be exchanged more information uh, about uh, what is happening in your system. You need to gather data on the uh, businesses that uh, take part in some of the countries which are more, I would say, liberal in terms of their uh, tax compliance level or, or the, uh, the information that is being gathered by the tax authorities. And we need to uh, adjust that. Um, the problem is, of course, unanimity, as, as the Minister uh, Kolczynski pointed out. Uh, but there are many other solutions that could be uh, implemented uh, thanks to international cooperation. Uh, of those countries who want to cooperate, and there is a majority of those, I think, in Europe, uh, who have an issue with with what is happening uh, happening in the internal market, and uh, the uh, and the issue on the next level is what the OECD is going to um, recommend, because uh, once again, OECD doesn't have any authority to make anybody implement their regulations, uh, which is also an issue. As the taxes is an internal policy, we need to find those who want to exchange information, want to cooperate. Uh, the base erosion system, which is in the States, is, is, is something probably that would have to be on the EU level uh, uh, in order to be introduced. But uh, I think you're going to talk about that a bit. Um, uh, but there are many solutions in place, and just use one. And if we have so much money, we've lost due to rich people uh, going abroad with their money uh, through corporations which uh, push and optimize uh, their money. And we also have still fraud uh, in terms of VAT on the international level. Uh, although we don't say this could come back anytime soon. So, you know, uh, people, the mafia tends to learn a lot. Uh, and they, they also go digital. So, so Fred, Fred, sorry, you, uh, you yeah. mentioned Poland has now reached the average uh, level. Um, now, and I forgot to mention, you are the director of the Polish Economic Institute, and you you have published a report also in which you showed how much the 
um, uh, the uh, tax collection has actually increased thanks to becoming public, uh, what is that update in terms of uh, the VAT? Yeah, yeah, so can you just give us quickly the, the headline number that your study came, came out with? Yeah, so uh, for example, the VAT gap uh, uh, decreased from 25 or 26 percent uh, in 2012 till, um, till last year was nine and a half. So it was. Uh, this is the hypothetical level of the VAT that is could be collected by any uh, uh, tax authority. So this is uh, now uh, below the average of uh, approximately ten or twelve percent. Uh, so, so this is almost percent is not collected. In yeah, not collected, not okay. collected, because this was all twenty eight. Yeah, was yeah, yeah. So we, we were at twenty six percent. So more than one fourth of the taxes were not collected internally. Uh, you didn't see that in many countries. So this was a true problem, and uh, we've seen, like, you know, I, 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 I grew up in Poland in the 90s, and I, I saw mafia people, you know, mobsters doing lots of different stuff, and uh, they went to prison. They came back in 2000, and, uh, at the beginning of 2000, after their sentences ended, and they actually started uh, businesses on the single market with uh, uh, sold invoices. Uh, throughout the European Union, and this is something that they learned from the UK. <laughs> uh, so, uh, because the UK had was the first country that had a lot of uh, carousel, so this became a, a um, like a national sport of sorts. Thank you. Um, let's now perhaps turn to uh, the European Commission. We already heard um, that they need um, this new solutions to uh, to get better improving the the VAT gap, and so. Uh, we're delighted to have today Maria Fabregas Fernandez, Director for Indirect Taxation and Tax Administration at the DCTAX, so the European Commission. So you are really the expert and the specialist on this topic. Can you uh, walk us through what the Commission is currently doing in this topic and what do you think should come next? Thank you. Thank you. No, first of all, I would like to, to thank the Minister and the Commission for the data that you are bringing to the table because you are raising awareness to something that sometimes the normal citizens would not know. And uh, I really think, thanks the Minister mentioning the slides about uh, uh, the reduction of VAT gap makes it also better for corporate taxation and all types of taxes, so it, it's good. So on this, we also agree on the fact that uh, it's very important to, to be able to reduce this gap uh, in terms of what could be the tax uh, revenue collected and what is really collected. So in this regard, in the last colloquy in the Korean Central Commission, um, the European Commission reacted to many tax scandals uh, that were already highlighting the issue of uh, financial fraud and all types of scandals in indirect taxation. And that's why um, we, we put on the table proposals that many were adopted by everybody. But one of the proposals that was adopted was precisely in order to strengthen administrative cooperation between member states, tax administrations, to use technology, uh, for instance, uh, to use uh, what we call contact network analysis, so algorithms that our experts in, in the tax administrations are using to ca precisely in order to, to curb financial character fraud. And uh, also at the end of um, last year, 
the council of African legislation and pay mandate to be to, to, to be done because the way to implement this legislation was updated and we were about this uh, this uh, lack of uh, 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 PAT in some of the e-commerce transactions. So it's clear that we have done a lot, but it's clear also that a lot needs to be done. And one of the main proposals that it's still on the table of the council, and asking now Pascal and Francesc uh, in, the, in the audience, um, is still on the table, is the registered delinquencies regulation. The kind of legal mechanism that uh, we from the commission side consider that could uh, stop uh, the the council set to, to continue within the same limit. The illustrations are very difficult, the file, uh, well, it's, it's frozen in a way. And in this regard also, the European Commission in December organized an event for VAT in the digital age, precisely in order to strengthen other matters. And the minister mentioned one of these matters, which is the invoicing. Mm, so there were some, some communications explaining how they had to introduce the invoicing, how they were their proposal and uh, we consider that it's key to make sure that we make use of technologies in order to help uh, reducing all these costs so this is in a way on the on the VAT side uh, but uh, in the framework of um, bank taxation corporate taxation in particular as mentioned uh, there are many problems too and uh, in the digital taxation field, where we in the European Commission we put two proposals on the table, one on direct taxation, the other on indirect taxation. Now the implementations in the Council are frozen because the main effort is at the OECD G20 level in order to uh, bring forward a global solution because uh, we prefer first uh, to have the global solution and then if they do not work we have to look at the VAT on ones and this is uh, in the in the mandate of the Madam President of the Commission uh, Mrs. von der Leyen and the mission letters of my commissioner Commissioner Gentiloni and other the relevant the vice presidents it's clear that uh, there is an issue both on what we are talking first on VAT taxation uh, fraud and on on corporate and, and into the digital uh, taxation that will have to solve. But first, uh, it's the, the, the global level in the corporate side uh, on VAT. We have to work at European level. And um, as the minister highlighted, in Europe we have unanimity, which makes things uh, complex and difficult. However, we try uh, to be as um, proactive from our side, from the European Commission, in order to allow member states to exchange these best practices in order to work together in order to find uh, the right solutions. And in this regard, it was two years ago when we looked uh, from the European Commission, thanks to member states uh, willing to do that, we launched a network of the heads of tax administration within the EU where they are exchanging best practices, they are trying to work together in order to uh, find proper solutions to the same challenges they are facing. Because at the end of the day, as you very well explained, uh, Minister Antuerto, it's clear that there is a limit on what a member state by its own can do. Because we are in a competitive economy within the single market, but beyond the single market, and therefore uh, it's necessary to work uh, first together. Um, what I would like uh, also to highlight is the fact that um, when we put legislation on the table, it's difficult to have the, it adopted because of unanimity, but we managed to have some legislation adopted. 
And this is key now is to make sure that all member states, all Catalan administration, implement this legislation, because this is also one of the of the key issues that we have within the European Union, when um, sometimes not all member states are implementing the legislation. And it's key that member states implement legislation, meaning also that governments have to provide the necessary resources to tax administrations to implement it. Poland is an example where this went well. And uh, as mentioned also by Kyoto, it, it uh, turned out to be very successful also for the Polish startups and digital companies in order to help the, the government, the tax administration to build uh, in uh, all the technology required to conduct it. So as you see, it's not an easy thing to do uh, because many actors have to be uh, working together. And, uh, but we are here in order to help and it's, it's clear in the mandate of European Commission, a clear message for us, the civil servant, is to bring forward new initiatives, a new uh, network, new processes, in order to make sure that uh, the gap can is reduced. Thank you. Thank you very much, Maria Teresa. Perhaps let me ask you one, one follow-up question, which is um, related. Of course, uh, let's focus on, to be more specific, on the VAT tax tariffs that are smart. And so, so you mentioned many global solutions, but then you also, Marie Kyoto, you also mentioned that you also make clear that there seems to be some sort of a single market dimension. So in the single market, in the EU, this is particularly a problem and can be in particular ways be a, be a problem and so needs a specific EU solution. So, so can you say a bit more what specifically we can do at the EU level? Because on the global level, I mean, waiting for the global level might mean waiting for another 10 years or 20 years, right? I mean, so, so isn't this really an issue that is a single market connected issue? And can you help explain whether it is a single market issue and then how to, how to fix it really? Yes, so on the global level, what is now under discussion is the corporate uh, tax in Europe. And the solution should be by Benefitia no? at global level, <laughs> because then we have to implement it. So, so that's the global on the digital taxation of Latin. On VAT, on VAT, it's a single market issue. If even if I have to tell you that uh, at the OECD level, they are uh, looking very attentively what we are doing here with VAT, because they are taking some of our general principles of the EU VAT to the to the global level. But VAT is a is a is a new issue, single market issue. And that's why uh, the European Commission presented uh, as a theme a proposal on what we call the decentralization act, because the problem comes from the current EU legal framework. No? This character of trade um, is not that it's allowed, because it's not allowed, but there are some loopholes in the current legal framework that make it uh, too easy for the fraudsters to, and the smashers, because they are making, and uh, journalists have proof that some of these smashers are even financing terrorists. No? So um, it's, uh, it's a big problem, but we think on the table a proposal, a legislative proposal, which is in the Council. Um, it was, the intention was to really change this legal framework and to make a more uh, single market uh, VAT legislation, but uh, the Council is, is blocked, so, so the negotiation is not advancing. And that's why, um, as you said, uh, we are looking at other possible options for the use of new technology, in the slides I mentioned some of the possible uh, ways to look at the issues, no? because it's data that does exist in tax administration, so how can this data be better shared? Uh, how can, no? 
próximo posto, né? Inclusive, o site da Distância ele canta aí uma, uma, uma força. Em Finland, em Polen, uma banda especializada em Finland, tem que ter força em Sidlo, onde Victory Mark Solomon Fischer, e a Time to Focus, o fantástico que eles apresentam. But I agree with what uh, Inista said that uh, there is a moment where the with the national government action is taken to introduce more to to eliminate the tax fraud, the indirect taxation and indirect taxation cannot be done in isolation because uh, as I said in Pajor and Pajanitas today <coughs> unfortunately the VAT directive that exists today um, creates uh, some uh, easier way for the current fraud to, to happen and that's what we need uh, also the new tax system. Thank you. Um, let's now turn to uh, to you, Agnes. I hope you can still hear us. Um, uh, yes, very well. Wonderful. We can hear you also very well. Um, Agnes, uh, you've listened to three presentations. What what are your first reactions? Okay, thanks for asking me, uh, and I'm sorry not to be with you today. Um, I think uh, I liked, uh, of course, uh, what I heard. Uh, I quite uh, agree with uh, what was said. I wanted to maybe uh, put this discussion in, into the broader context of why is this so important? So th there are three uh, main challenges. The one which was discussed just a minute ago, uh, which was to raise uh, more income and to plug the, the loopholes. And because we have a need, we are needing this money for, uh, for financing uh, public uh, services. But I think uh, the two others are equally important. Uh, the efficiency uh, challenge, which means uh, having uh, ensuring a level playing field, which is especially important in the digital economy where we have a winner takes all effects. And the equity challenge, uh, we've seen that um, uh, taxation schedules have become less progressive over, uh, over the past uh, 10 years. And, um, and there is a, an issue here, and we see uh, that it, there is uh, increasing awareness about these issues. So I will say a, a, a note, uh, I will say a word about VAT and ask actually <laughs> some questions to Piotr. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, say a word about the corporate income tax and the personal income tax. So the VAT gap, I must say, it's the achievement of Poland is really remarkable. It's very, very impressive. And uh, when I read the, the report, uh, was, which was mentioned previously, uh, I understand that it's a mixture of IT, of the split payment mechanism, where the buyer can choose to pay, part, uh, to pay the VAT directly to a special account, the fuel package, more severe sanctions, uh, a reform of the tax administration, a reform of payment deadlines, uh, mandatory online declaration. So it's a package of uh, many things. So I was wondering, uh, <laughs> because we need to, to draw lessons for, for other EU countries. So within this package, what uh, were the, the, the actions that were most uh, instrumental to, the, um, to plugging the, the loophole? Now, uh, if I move to the reforms at EU level, so I was wondering what was the impact on Poland, for instance, of the uh, mini one-stop shop, which was introduced for e-services, and what's the, um, uh, what's the view of Poland with uh, further steps, the one-stop shop for e-commerce and the, the definitive uh, system. 
Why am I saying this? Because if you look at uh, the VAT gaps um, that are uh, published by the Commission, uh, they are still higher than 20% in Romania, Greece, Lithuania, Italy, and Slovakia. So my question is, once we move to uh, the uh, new system, uh, can, in practice, can uh, the Polish administration trust the Romanian or the Italian tax administration to collect VAT on its behalf? I think this is a key issue. And it's not just about IT. It's, uh, it's um, about cooperation and trust between uh, administration. So since in Poland, there was a, a very important um, reform, um, a major reform of the tax administration in 2017, uh, where there was a merger between uh, custom services, uh, fiscal control, and the tax administration itself. So I was wondering uh, what, what lessons can be drawn from that, because um, if we want to raise the level of mutual, mutual trust, maybe one idea would be to make national tax administrations more independent make them independent agencies for indirect levies, not for direct taxation, but for indirect taxation. Why am I saying this? Because uh, these administrations have a very narrow, well-defined mandate. There is a lot of uh, complexity. It's very technical. Uh, the decisions uh, may be of uh, judicial nature. There are big international spillovers. And there is a risk of political lobbying. So, so all the conditions for making a tax administration in uh, an independent agencies are here. It's a bit like uh, in the um, uh, competition policy uh, that we have a network of independent national authorities uh, for competition policies. Uh, there are, it's a double layer with the EU, uh, co the commission, and uh, for uh, smaller cases, it's at the national level. So I was wondering whether creating such a network could be instrumental in accompanying uh, the move towards uh, uh, the definitive regime of uh, VAT. And then I was asking myself about possible extensions of all these achievements and how to emulate these efforts in other areas. And one area that comes to my mind is uh, social fraud. Uh, there is a lot of uh, uh, cross-border social fraud. We know that uh, all the debates about uh, posted workers actually it's mostly about fraud, not about the system itself. So how to, um, to fight this fraud? Uh, I think it's very important uh, from a social point of view. Uh, we would need ideally a common database for EU workers, but again, can we trust other countries to have access to personal data? Because basically you would have in this database uh, the social number of uh, each worker and whether the contributions have been paid. And, to, uh, and which uh, company did pay uh, the contributions. And ideally, you would like to connect such database to uh, business registers to see whether the company still exists, for instance. And this is something I think uh, that is impossible because you cannot merge a business register with a social uh, database. So I was wondering whether maybe uh, uh, Maria Teresa could have something to say about this. Then maybe quickly on the corporate income tax and uh, personal income tax. Um, so we know uh, the uh, BEPS proposal. When I read the BEPS proposal, I can hardly understand why a country uh, could be against that in, in terms of loss of sovereignty. Which sovereignty are we talking about when um, Pillar 2 proposes a 12.5% minimum rate? 
So there's no change in any country. All countries have at least 12.5% uh, um, um, rate of uh, corporate income tax. So, so I'm a bit puzzled about uh, the debate. And then the question for the EU is what is the fallback? So officially it's the uh, so-called CCCTB, um, but um, another uh, possibility would be a mixture of the, the so-called uh, significant digital, digital presence uh, for EU countries uh, and a revision of the interest and royalties directive to uh, tax uh, a minimum, impose a minimum tax on outbound, outbound uh, payments and also uh, revision of the, um, control, the, the directive for uh, CFCs, uh, controlled foreign companies, in order to implement a minimum tax on inbound of profits made by these CFEs. So uh, I think maybe the EU could also design a package that would be a, a fallback if the BEPS doesn't work, if the CCTPB is too difficult, and then you have another solution. It's good to have <laughs> several uh, things to, to propose. And now and I would like just to say a word about the personal income tax. Uh, we have not done, well, very little on this area, which is uh, national sovereignty. Uh, there, had, well, there, was, there was a big step with the automatic exchange of information. However, I wanted to flag today the fact that uh, top personal income taxes, uh, top per, uh, PIT rates uh, range from uh, more than 57% in Sweden uh, to 10% uh, in Bulgaria and Romania, 15% in Hungary, while in Poland is 32%, 47% uh, in Italy. According to Eurostat in, um, the, in a recent uh, year, uh, disposable income per household in current euro for the, say, the ninth decile of Poland, in, of the Polish uh, population, was around 12,000 12, euros. Hence, it's the same level as the third decile in Italy. So it means that 30% of Italians uh, were earning less than the top 10% uh, in current euros. I'm not talking, so then on the top of that, you have differences in prices. For Hungary, it's the, where the top PIT rate is 15%, the figure is 20%. So it means that 20% of Italian households had an income of less than the top decile of the Hungarian households who were taxed at a marginal rate of 15%. So uh, we are not going to, to, to change this, uh, but I think uh, we could start thinking about what will happen when the 20% um, uh, poor Italians households uh, become unhappy to finance transfers to Hungary if the local wealthy people uh, pay only 15% as a margin, top marginal rate. So, this discussion has not started in the EU. Uh, there is a discussion uh, in the US about the wealth tax. And I would be surprised that it never crosses the Atlantic. And uh, so I, I think there needs to be a discussion about the progressivity of the personal income tax, keeping the sovereignty of each country uh, in mind. And uh, well, I will stop here. I wanted just mm -hmm. to say a thing about the cashless economy because uh, so coming back to fraud, um, I wanted to mention that the fraud on credit cards is much larger than, than the fraud on fake banknotes. So I'm not sure that getting rid of cash would magically eliminate uh, the fraud. And uh, we need to think about welfare, not about just about uh, tax revenues. 
And if we have a damage in terms of social inclusion, if we have a damage in, in terms of resilience, what would happen if we have a power blackout? What would happen if we have a large scale hacking? Uh, so the, the banknotes actually are a piece of uh, resilience of the system. I want, just wanted to mention this. The objective, uh, the, the final objective is not to just to plug the tax loopholes, it's a welfare. Thank you. Thank, thank you, and yes, uh, this was uh, a lot of a lot of uh, uh, very very interesting points and food for thought and uh, good cause for discussion. Uh, of course, I, I noted that um, uh, you know tax still uh, uh, cash is still seen as something uh, positive, at least um, uh, for emergency circumstances. So I think that that's that's a nice a nice point to make and. I'm sure many people will, will enjoy that point very much that already think we should get rid of cash completely, also so that monetary policy can run its, its course fully into negative territory. But that's another debate. Um, so we had, a, uh, I think, a very rich presentation on solidarity. We have one aspect. We have uh, some technical questions, of course, that you on, uh, on, um, on the VAT specifically and, and how, how you did it really and what component was, uh, how important. And we had quite a bit also, I think, uh, addressed to the Commission in terms of, you know, the, how how to make it make it happen. What's the package here? And touch also a bit on the corporate side, the corporate uh, um, tax, and including this question of shouldn't we have um, tax um, tax uh, collection offices um, that work in a network and are more or less independent uh, from from the finance ministry, at least when it comes to the VAT. And of course, we would love to have an official position of the European Commission on this. Um, so short of pitch, we want to take a few of those. OK. Uh, so thank you very much for the for the question and uh, interesting remarks. And um, uh, of course, the, the easiest answer, but the most sincere one too, is that uh, the, the most important issue was taking uh, the VAT matter to a political level. So it, 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 did, it wasn't just a technical uh, matter that was uh, connected with what, what the finance minister was doing, but it was one of the strongest goals of the whole administration. And uh, what the, the previous administrations did is they increased, for example, the marginal tax uh, uh, level. So they increased uh, uh, the VAT level by one percentage point in 2011, and they didn't see. Uh, so you s we saw a decrease in the level of the, the VAT that was collected by the tax authorities. They increased uh, the, tax, uh, the tax rate, but they didn't see any additional inflow of uh, cash because of the increase of the tax rate. So uh, this was like a, um, uh, a semi-professional way of, of dealing with with the matter, is to to have it on the, you know uh, have it on the um, uh, have a flag, wave it around about tax uh, taxes that this is be being a real and true matter. Uh, and this is I think the same thing for European Union. As long as we talk about it, as long as we uh, have discussions about how to reform. Uh, taxes in the EU. As long as we speak, we publicize, we uh, take this uh, to the matter that there are some people who uh, commit uh, uh, acts which are fraudulent uh, in the European Union. As long as those people tend to get scared, 
about this matter because we talk about it. It's not, you know, uh, somewhere in the, ha in the shadow. It's somewhere that you, you pointed out as a matter which is important for the political life. So uh, I, I think it wouldn't be able, we wouldn't be able to reform the system that much if it wasn't for the uh, waving the flag around uh, by politicians saying that this is an important matter. And I know that this is one of the first and the most important recommendations that the IMF has. So as long as you have a lot of press conferences and you speak about the ma uh, tax fraud and you you know you have some guys that are going to jail because they uh, they took I don't know two million of uh, two million Polish zloty or euros uh, out of the taxpayers' money uh, and this is a moment where okay uh, let's you know TiVo that and uh, honey let's think about our business model right now. So uh, if, uh, if, uh, if me, me and my mates are doing, doing the right thing right now, if we're uh, committing this, this kind of uh, uh, stuff. And um, it's, it's uh, the trust matter with the tax authorities, different tax authorities in the European Union is a really important issue. Uh, so I know uh, from, from the people working in the Polish tax authority uh, that they have, uh, they have had, they, they cannot say it out loud, but I know that they have problems in uh, cooperation with, uh, with different tax administrations in the EU. So uh, they had uh, problems in exchange of knowledge about companies that are registered in a different European uh, tax jurisdiction. And um, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, uh, a lot of red tape is, for example, being created when you ask questions about someone's dealings. And it takes a lot of time when the person, uh, you know, the, the, the administration or the services cannot uh, pursue the person who probably committed some kind of crime. So this, this is something uh, truly important. That's why the, 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 um, the, uh, the underlinement on, on, on tax cooperation, so on the exchange of knowledge, I don't think we're gonna get anytime soon to the moment where we're gonna have one of uh, you know codes in one of the systems exchange all the data connected with the ta security systems and the tax systems. This is something maybe in the matrix. Uh, although the matrix, and if you if you watch the movie, was placed at the beginning of the 2000s, so uh, we're past behind the the the, the schedule. Uh, but I think we would, uh, that would, uh, uh, a lot of those countries, and I, I also uh, am speaking about Poland, need a lot of internal reforms in terms of uh, data exchanges. We're still not that good as Denmark, uh, Sweden, uh, in terms of the usage of data, or Netherlands even, of the usage of data which is governed, um, uh, gathered by the state in different types and spheres. So the social security systems don't always uh, interact with the tax system because they are independent. And as, as different limbs with different brains, uh, they don't uh, always go hand in hand and cooperate on, on matters uh, uh, truly important. And uh, the other issue which, uh, um, which you point out about the dependence of, uh, of tax authorities, and this is also was one of the crucial points in the reform that was pl placed in Poland. So we had different agencies they were um, uh, um, joined, so we had the synergy effects of the same people working on the same matter, and also some of them, you know, having the, the possibility to, to possess guns and go out to 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 uh, to the not the taxpayers' offices. Uh, 
but they uh, they um, uh, but that was it's an independent agency. It's outside of the Ministry of Finance, although the head of the the agency is the Deputy Minister of Finance and head of the tax administration. So they have their own ranks. They got generals, and, and you know it's a different kind of branch of services uh, 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 currently. And this is something probably as the competitive authorities. This is something which works better if you have those people who can have a career, have a um, uh, different system of um, uh, um, advancing their career inside the, the tax administration, and also get paid a bit more. Uh, this is also important. <laughs> you have bureaucrats who are not underpaid if you want if you want them to uh, 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 do their job properly. Yes. So here, uh, what Pietro said about uh, uh, donating uh, countries in order to reduce taxes is to have the political budget as you have it as a priority, as a goal for the government. I think it's key because um, one of the key issues is to have the necessary resources and to relate to, to staff, to, to human beings, but also to the personnel, but also to all the major investments uh, in IT in order to, to make these things happen. Therefore, it's clear that um, uh, without political backing on national level, uh, it's difficult to implement uh, such a, a, a program as the European Fund of Poland and other member states are doing in order to combat fraud. So on this, uh, I fully agree. Uh, then at the European level, as said, uh, we are trying during this uh, term of the, of the Crown Commission to, to work uh, with the member states in order to, to help member states to work better together with the, the goal of uh, Tadeusz, the network of the tax heads tax administration, but also in order to put on the table the right proposals, legislative proposals that would provide this possibility to have more access to data, to better uh, exchange data. And as said, no, last year there was this proposal on the on what we call VAT payment data, which is linked to the e-commerce payment data. Uh, but unfortunately, well, it was adopted last year, and formally it will be tomorrow, but um, unfortunately the implementation will be 2025. So this why, because member states, they say that they need time in order to implement uh, all these changes in the IT tax administration. So it takes time, and to combat fraud takes time, and, uh, well, we have to work together, eh, and this is crucial, in order to, to make sure that all member states go in the right direction. And in this regard, from the European Commission side, there are uh, new programs, such as the Structural Reform Support uh, Program, that helps also member states in order to, to get some financing to help them in the uh, fight uh, against fraud. And, uh, and, and this is uh, important to this economic cooperation. When uh, we were talking about, um, uh, Agnes mentioned the, the question about independent agencies better, no? Well, uh, my, before joining taxation area in the European Commission, I joined three years ago, I spent 12 years in the financial services legislation area, and there, well, the securities market authorities, they are independent, 
So I, I saw different types of authorities. And now that I'm working in taxes, uh, in both taxation and cash terms, I see also different types of design on many street level in terms of how taxation and cash terms is dealt with. In some administration, it goes together and this creates good synergy also to combat fraud, mm, because when we are talking about uh, international money market, uh, uh, cash terms uh, plays a role. And, um, and what is clear is that from the Commission side, the answer is what we want is tax administration that has the necessary human resources and the necessary resources in order to combat fraud with the, with the right mandate uh, in order to combat fraud. So that's, uh, that's what is important. Then Agnes mentioned a question that I think addresses to me directly uh, concerning this possible Weighted wages, the exchange of, it was in the framework of social uh, security fraud, exchanging of data between different platforms. What is clear is that from the European Commission side, when we present new legislative proposals that look to exchange more data, we have always to take into consideration and to take into account the data protection rules. Mm. As you know, we need to make sure that uh, the rules are proportional. And therefore, that's why we managed to have this uh, piece of legislation, I don't mention, on, on the open payment data adopted, but it's it, it in a proportionate manner. Therefore, it's always uh, necessary at national level, at European level, to take into consideration the, the data protection rules. And then, well, the discussion about cash, uh, more cash, uh, uh, I know that in some member states, because I've been traveling around, uh, there are already today some shops that they say no cash. Mm. So it, it kind of the private initiative in some member states where it does exist, but whether the solution is to to go from analog to digital completely, well, you know, also there are lots of discussions about uh, possibilities of using new, new technologies such as blockchain where applications and things could be fully uh, secure or contracts would be fixed forever. Um, yeah, well, new technologies provide uh, new ways of looking at things, and what is important is that legislation doesn't stay in the Middle Ages, uh, because I can tell you that when we talk about legislation, even corporate legislation or legislation, is based on principles of the 19th century, you know, the 21st century. Uh, therefore, it's not going to change very much. Yeah, exactly. So it is really necessary to make sure from our side, European Commission, that the legislation is up to date. And that's why we are trying to work with member states and helping to uh, organizing these conferences in order to bring the new expertise and it's necessary to bring also the data protection. Wonderful. Let's take uh, a few questions um, at the end. Um, so if, if someone would like to ask a question, please raise your hand and tell me also to whom you address it. The gentleman here. Thank you. My name is Jean-Pierre Delat. I'm from the University of Brussels and worked in the previous life in the Gipsy. Um I wanted to raise a different tax uh, that was mentioned so far. Um, I heard Agnès de Vassili speaking very eloquently about uh, the problems that can arise in the differentials that exist on PIT rates. But uh, in the context of the new commission, the Green Deal, what about the differences in energy taxation? Is there not also 
this sort of like two-dimensional guy, uh, in the same template, it's some text-based equation, five axis, in some number states, might not be happy to help the transition uh, in the problem. For instance, why the logic extension is very low, according to the excise data, the data on excise duty that are published uh, by, by the GTAXIC. And I think the commission has said that taxation has an important role to play in the context of the, of the Green Deal. So how do you see progress in, in that direction? Suggest we collect a few questions. So if there's a second uh, question, yes, there's a gentleman there in the back. I'm not from Colossus, but uh, I'm uh, also a practitioner. I was just picking up something Murray Fraser said before about um, like the best practice method. So I was just trying to make sure uh, what we foresee HMRC, the UK Tax Authority's future role being in that, given that part of its um, mandate is going to remain within the single market. So does it make sense? I'm, I'm not sure I get the question. Can you repeat louder? Basically, it's the future place of HMRC within the best practice network. So there are best practice networks of tax authorities within the EU. What is the UK's future role in that? Given that Northern Ireland is going to remain within the back single market. So we assume the UK will leave the, uh, the uh, single market completely then? Oh, Northern Ireland. Oh, how to deal with Northern Ireland. Okay, okay. Please. Thank you very much for the contribution. Just uh, would like to raise the issue of INAs taking the place on the uh, welfare aspects related to the revenues. And also if we could take into consideration that uh, in the theory, economic theory, how the revenues contribute to the economic development of the country, take into consideration how the European Union face the US economic crisis. And also in the economic theory said that the indirect taxation of size duties is kind, if I may say, unfair tax because applies to the wide of the citizens. This is you can compare in uh, statistics of the OECD, you see the Nordic countries the contribution of the direct taxation to the GDP is higher than compared to the South. So the contribution of direct taxation to GDP is more double than personal taxation or corporate taxation. Thank you. So I think there's time for one more question if there is someone still eager to ask a question. Oh. Yes, Joe Kerwin with uh, Bloomberg Tax Publications. Um, I just wanted to ask a question. Uh, the, as the uh, member states are implementing uh, DAC 6 and the uh, cross-border arrangements that uh, tax practitioners must report, there's been some concern uh, that some member states are including VAT data as part of those uh, reporting requirements as member states do have leeway in, in uh, implementing the legislation. And I was wondering if if, from that if you could um, answer that question, if there's concerns about that and how that's being dealt with. Thank you. Okay. Um, 
So, um, well, I, I will reply to three of the questions uh, that I think were more important, <laughs> and, and then I will discuss a bit what I, I came up with my second idea. Uh, so concerning the Air Impact Directive that did not mention fuel as uh, as an example of different ways between uh, member states, so from the Commission side we we published an evaluation report last September on the functioning of this directive where we highlight precisely what uh, what you mentioned about uh, this uh, disparity of of rates um, you know with regard to the energy taxation. And also uh, what it shows is that um, today uh, these rates uh, do not uh, drink uh, the, the right price in order to fulfill the goal of carbon neutrality by 2050. And that's the reason why uh, the revision of the Energy Tax Directive has been included uh, within the European Green Deal. And as you might have seen in the communication on the European Green Deal published in December, uh, it's scheduled that this will be there will be a commission legislative proposal in mid 2021. So from now until then, we'll be working together with member states, stakeholders, and the better regulation process in order to to, to find the right uh, approach and in order to to make sure that um, um, the directive itself can be used as an instrument to achieve climate neutrality. But this goes hand in hand with the package that was uh, adopted a few weeks ago by the European Commission on the uh, financing of the European Green Deal, which is where some, some of the elements that were mentioned. So, so then uh, at this point, I mean, just because there's the, there's obviously the taxation side um, for the Green Deal, but there's, we shouldn't forget energy subsidies, I mean, I mean uh, which is sort of the counterpart. And they are huge in some member states, including in Germany. Uh, where we pay huge amounts of money in terms of basically brown energy subsidies. And so I think these two things shouldn't be separated, really. I mean, in the end of the day, um, it's it's really, it should be the same conversation. I, I hope you, you put the two together, really. I mean, Absolutely. I mean, uh, in the energy tax directive, we have, for instance, subsidies to fossil fuels. I mean, uh, in Spain, we direct it, so there's uh, much to go. And then all the stakeholders, uh, political survey will uh, will be attended to that. So it's something we we have. Second question on the Northern Ireland uh, elements. Um, well, uh, Northern Ireland uh, will be under the Northern Ireland Protocol that uh, has been uh, agreed uh, with the with the overall agreement. And it's in that protocol where we see uh, all the rules uh, that will be applied. So from the European Commission very soon there will be notices uh, that will be updated because the last uh, withdrawal agreement, and the final one, I mean, <laughs> it was adopted um, uh, at the end of October. Therefore, it's necessary to update some of these notices. And then, of course, uh, there, will there, there is work ongoing in terms of how to make it operational the Northern Ireland uh, Protocol. But with regards to the UK, um, UK being a third country, uh, then uh, all the kind of possible cooperation, uh, it's clear that unless there is another type of agreement between EU and UK, it will have to be done through the OECD uh, framework. So but that's, well, it's, it's good situation uh, now is what it is and there will be an analysis of how to do it. And then concerning the, the last question I, I'd like to, to reply on the DAC6 uh, implementation. Uh, well, I can tell you that 
שמה בוסטי תקניות שדואגות שהמתמטיקה ידלגו פלוסים, פלוס הפונקציונים בפייסבוק, אוקיי? פונקציונים בלתי רגילים תמורת שמן בוסטי פלוס שם של DHT דאטה. I was not aware of that, so I cannot provide any reply. Maybe if you want to put some more specifically the question, I can inquire a bit more in order to be able to And then there was the question on the worker aspect of the station. Um, I don't know if well, well, let me let me let's go to get Anya's first. And yeah, Anya's, did you want to react to one or two of the points? Um? Maybe just on the this welfare issue. Yes, uh, I think uh, two points. First, um, we don't know exactly uh, what we are talking about in terms of amount, but if you add up uh, the fraud on VAT. Fraud and avoidance on VAT, corporate income tax, and personal income tax, uh, you get something that is larger than 1% of GDP. So this is a large um, number. It's large for two reasons. First, it's hot data. If you get, if you, uh, if you uh, collect this 1%, it's really, it's a, a game changer. And also for the perception of the taxpayers. If you want people to accept paying taxes, then you need to to um, to close these uh, loop loopholes. Then on the VAT itself, uh, yes, it's an in, it's a unfair tax, but its uh, objective is not to be fair. So the VAT, the, 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 the job of the VAT is to collect revenue, full point. And then, because it's, it's understood as a less inefficient taxation because the tax base is very broad. Uh, then everything depends on what the... <laughs> The government is doing with these receipts. It can uh, transfer uh, the receipt with uh, mean-tested uh, transfers, or it can change. So, for instance, in Denmark, I think the VAT rate uh, is 25%. Uh, it's extremely high. Nevertheless, uh, this country has a very good performance in, in terms of uh, equity. So, I think we, we cannot uh, we cannot draw a, um, a conclusion in terms of welfare. Uh, just uh, from looking at one tax, we need to take the whole system, tax and transfer system, in order to have um, a conclusion about the welfare and how it can be improved. Thank you. Yeah, and I'd like to chip on that. So to uh, the VAT, for example, true, can have some low-cost elements. It's depending on the uh, kinds of products and the tax rate you have for them. So if you have uh, it depends how much of the basket that is being bought by the different types of households you, you tax on. So uh, many EU member states have different tax rates for different kinds of products, uh, uh, ranging from I think five percent uh, to to you know to twenty three. There are not that many EU countries that have a flat ta VAT tax rate on all products, but you know. You don't get that. So there are some welfare elements in the VAT system, but it's, as I'm told, we, we need to take into account both the corporate income tax, uh, the personal income tax, and then the VAT uh, as the whole elements of the system, because this is what uh, creates the, the revenue mix of, a, of each country. What I can tell you about the Polish experience is that uh, from 2015 to 2018, because this is uh, the latest Eurostat provided data, uh, Poland increased 
uh, with tax revenue to GDP by more than two percentage points. So without changing the tax system uh, whatsoever during this time. This is all through reforms that were being uh, created. Also, the companies, because we're talking about VAT a lot, but this also increased uh, social contribution rate compliance, corporate income tax compliance, without any changes to the system whatsoever. And this is something where you can you know, learn a lot. If you do something, you have the will uh, and the force to, to say that this is an issue uh, and to change people's minds, uh, what they do. So up until this point, you know, whoever didn't want to pay taxes, you know, we are post-Soviet country, basically. So if you didn't want to pay taxes, good on you. You're doing good. You don't want to pay taxes. Who wants to pay taxes? This is something that was very common. Uh, that it's the unwillingness of paying taxes was, you know, something very, very. Uh, it was not connected with patriotism or whatever. It was good that you didn't do that. So there's a lot of businesses and people who still think uh, this way. But this is, you know, um, this is also changing uh, because of the the what they what they also did. The Minister of Finance is not here, but I can say that he represents a government which is more leftist on the social policy areas. And uh, uh, I, 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 w I don't know if he would agree with me, so I'm an analyst, I can say, say almost whatever I think I want. But uh, they also in increased a lot uh, spending on um, social, social uh, assistance and uh, pensions. So this is also what they gave back through the increased revenues of the state. So they redistributed it uh, to with the wealthy policies, which increased a lot. And they increased a lot in terms of the size to the GDP. Okay, uh, I think we could go on for a long time. It's a very uh, rich topic, a very um, uh, technical topic also, um, but I think uh, a very important topic and uh, certainly a very important topic to follow and to address, and especially the, the fraudulent behavior. Uh, I think at this stage um, I have to close and thank uh, our three speakers, uh, Andreas, Maria Teresa, Piotr. Thank you so much, and please join me in thanking them and also the minister who has spoken already. Thank you.